All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're here recording on the Monday, uh, Monday little, I guess Monday evening, I guess you can call it here for our Wednesday, June 1st episode, uh, episode number 49. Um, this one, I think I, I like the idea of this episode here. Uh, we, we just recapped our, or we just finished up our dynasty rookie draft here, uh, middle to last, middle to early last week. And uh, we're going to be going over how our rookie draft went. Um, one of the things that I've always appreciated uh, was the podcast I listened to, how they would talk about some of their specifics from their own leagues, because uh, when you get some fantasy analysts that talk about, uh, you know, what they think, where the rankings are, but when it push comes to shove and comes time to draft, things go a little bit differently and seeing where guys are landing. I always appreciated um, getting a little bit of insight to some of their personal leagues. And there's some podcasts that don't do that, uh, but we're, uh, we're not that podcast because we're going to be doing that today. We're going to be telling you how our draft went. So, before we do so, uh, we'll say hello to the fellas here, and then we'll uh, we'll get ourselves started in some insiders and headliners. So we'll start it off. Uh, we'll throw it over Armand. Armand, uh, how's the how's the weekend? I guess the it was supposed to rain all weekend, but uh, we ended up getting some nice little weather there. Did you treat yourself to a little bit of sun this weekend or what? Oh, I was in Lloyd all weekend for uh, provincial basketball, club basketball, but thankfully that season's over now I've been coaching basketball for like six months straight now with the school season and club so I'm happy to have a little bit of time to myself now and um, with that I uh, had my first rugby game of the season last Wednesday too so uh, I felt a little sore and uh, and worn down on uh, Thursday but it felt good to get back on the pitch and uh, hit some guys yeah right on uh zach what about yourself uh, what you've been up to this last little bit um on friday armored and i actually hung out a little bit in saskatoon oh, yeah. the uh, special olympics saskatchewan uh track and field meet so big congratulations to all the athletes and coaches that participated um it uh it still is my favorite day of the school year and uh just seeing all of the excitement and all the fun that all the athletes are having was was fantastic to see amen to that brother that's a great program and uh they they do it really well yeah i was texting armin there on friday and said hey man yeah work i want to show you something no man i'm at special o this weekend I was like, oh yeah that's a good that's a good weekend and a pretty good little weather for you guys too from friday can't, can't really complain of that too much so um it's a perfect day for track and yeah, you know what else day, or goldilocks of days not too hot not too cold yeah, yeah. That's, that's what you need that's guess what, what my student and i made it on to uh ctv news look at, look at that little name drop even armin <laughs> eh? not the podcast guy facebook yeah. news eh i didn't talk they they were just filming the opening ceremonies and i was wearing my bright royal blue uh saint mary polo and it stands out in a crowd yeah, stuck out like a sore thumb. I got, uh, oh man, I've been battling this cold here for a little bit over a week, been doing obviously some testing to make sure I don't have the COVID again, uh, all negative on that front, but just can't seem to get over this cold. You and I had lacrosse, lacrosse yesterday, but I obviously didn't go because I'm too sick to go. I couldn't even move yesterday. And the boys finally got our first W on the season, so I might be the odd man out here. Might have to sit out the rest <laughs> of the season so the boys can get a couple more dubs, but I'm just hoping that's just, minor coincidence there so i can obviously keep playing but hopefully get over this cold here soon and continue on the cross season but let's talk a little bit uh, let's talk a little bit of football here so before we get started uh, a couple things so just uh we're running low on the hats there so i know i mentioned the last podcast but if you're looking for a 306 fantasy football hat 
before they are out of stock, make sure you get your hands on some of them. Uh, hit us up on the DMs. I know uh, we've sold quite a few of them, just a few little bit of them left there. So if you want to get your hands on them, don't uh, don't wait because they're they're going quick. Um, and I guess other than that, uh, we'll get a little bit of uh, insiders and headliners going. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. I'm Ron Burgundy. A couple minor ones to talk about here, and one thing maybe just to get uh, Armin uh, Armin a little bit excited. We'll we'll see how that one goes. But uh, Nick Foles signed with the Indianapolis Colts to become uh, the backup for Indianapolis there. Uh, so this one. Um, a little bit of a minor one. I know Nick Foles obviously had his uh, day in the sun um, during the playoff run in Super Bowl uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles and in the Philly special. I know that he'll probably be uh, remembered as uh, probably the most, but uh, Nick Foles will be the backup quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts' upcoming season. I think this one maybe I put it as a minor signing, but maybe it has a little bit of implications to somebody that I was quite fond of uh, a couple episodes ago. Uh, but running back formerly from the Kansas City Chiefs, Daryl Williams, has signed with the Arizona Cardinals uh, for the upcoming season. Uh, predominantly a three-down back, but uh, actually was pretty perf- uh, pretty efficient in the carrying department last year. I think he was averaging about four yards per carry, uh, but more, mostly known for uh, his receiving work. Uh, so Daryl Williams has now joined the Arizona Cardinals. And I know I was very, very fond of um, James Conner going into the season because of <laughs> The fact that not only is he a talented back, but he's the only guy in town. Now, Daryl Williams is going to come in there, and he's obviously going to vulture some of that third down work. Uh, but I'm curious if you guys think if he's going to vulture anything more than just maybe some third down work there. Maybe let's uh, let's see what Zach's going to say about this one. Well, if you if you think back to to last year, um, and the Cardinals, they had yeah, James Conner, and then they also had the uh, chase Edmonds, the back that signed with the dolphins. So there is that, that opening. Um, so I think out of all the guys that they have in that locker room right now, he's the most likely to take that type of production unless they somehow find a way to scheme in Rondell Moore into uh, kind of like a satellite back type of role. But uh, you'd have to think that Williams fits that, uh, that spot quite nicely. No, I just thought of something here. I probably should have mentioned this in the uh, in the intros there, but you said satellites. It made me think of the uh, Scott Fish League. I know they're sending out the invitations for Scott Fishbowl right now. So fingers crossed if anybody listening has entered their name. I know they're still taking applications at this time too. So if you haven't done so and you're interested in the Scott Fish Charity League, you might want to get your name into there too because they do the actual Scott Fishbowl right now where they're sending starting slowly send out the invitations. And then obviously the satellite that Zach and I participated in last year. So Maybe I'll throw that one out there too. As Zach said, satellite is first thing that pops in my head. I was thinking about Scott Fish there, but uh, I, I like what you said. And I don't think I don't think this is going to be James Connor's only backfield now at this point with this addition. But I don't think we're going to see exactly what we saw last year. But I think it's going to be a little bit of the similar, you know, where it's not just his backfield. And obviously, Chase Edmonds bit into it a little bit last year. But I think uh, I think Daryl Williams might do a little bit of the same as well. But you have anything after that one, Armin? You know, barring injuries, worst case scenario is James Conner has the season he did last year, which isn't a bad thing to have because he did have a decent season and was worth having on your rosters. 
Um, but, you know, Daryl Williams could potentially falter and might just be the third down guy and not actually take the full Edmonds role. And you could be still looking at James Conner being fairly valuable, even though Williams isn't is in town. Um, it hurts the the guy that had been presumed the, the backup, you know, Benjamin, way more than it. I think it hurts uh, James Conner. But uh, yeah, I think I think Conner's still a good good pickup, just not as early in the draft as we we thought we might be wanting to take him. Yeah, I'm not super spooked uh, by sense. Like I know I understand. Like could be completely ignorant just to think that you know James Conner's still gonna have the same season I was talking about maybe three weeks ago. But uh, I'm not spooked in a sense that he's off my draft board. I know I might even be able to get him at even a better value now. Like you mentioned, Armin, he might status quo as last season. I, I would gladly take that on my team because he had some he had some really big weeks and and he was the goal line guy and that's what you want to see in that Arizona uh, Arizona team because they uh, they were pretty. Pro- Pretty uh pretty effective uh, offense. So to get the goal line guy on that team, I, I'd gladly take that. So uh, he's not off my draft board by any stretch of the imagination, and he still might be on the trajectory to be a my guy this year. So a little little uh, wink at that one. Maybe we'll see how the offseason progresses. But uh, I don't know if I'm quite ready to put the stamp of approval on that one yet. So I'm I'm curious if you're still want to put the stamp of approval on this one, Armin here, Rashad Penny. I know you had a hot take last year that we kind of giggled at, and now. Hindsight, I think we're kind of somewhere in the middle there where he still had the pretty good season, especially for fantasy owners who picked him up in the uh, free agency down the stretch. But Rashad Penny uh, is in, a, I would say, a battle, obviously, for the backfield for Seattle. I think it was um, his backfield to lose to a rookie Kenneth Walker coming into Seattle in his first season in the NFL. Uh, and the knock on Rashad Penny was he couldn't stay healthy. That was kind of the ongoing joke. And now Rashad Penny is already nursing a hamstring issue which you don't necessarily want to see in OTAs, uh, especially hamstring. That's one that can easily be, uh, could reoccur throughout the season. I know some people went like, oh no, this means that Rashad Penny's completely toast, but I don't think that's the, uh, the complete answer either. But uh, what do you think of this one, Armin? Do you think this people are uh, just drinking the Kool-Aid on this one a little bit too much and going back to uh, what's, uh, what's familiar? Do you think Rashad Penny's still going to be on a, a successful trajectory this upcoming season? I think it, it's still positive for him going forward in this season. Um, a hamstring injury, it lingers usually because guys try to come back too quick. Um, it's a finicky muscle and tendon group there that if you don't let it fully heal um, and get the proper physio, then it's going to keep um, coming back to bite you in the butt, almost literally. And uh, but uh, with it being an OTAs, he has lots of time to, to rehab it and make sure he's at full health when season comes. So it all hinges on how serious he takes his recovery here. He's a guy that's been injured multiple times. So you got to think he, he takes that rehab seriously and he, he makes sure he gets fully healthy, healthy going into the season. So I think he, he's still in the fight for that backfield. I might have put him down a few notches from where he was to start the offseason. But uh, he's still got a, a great shot at, at being uh, the lead backer, part of a, a one-two punch with Kenneth Walker there. I think you're in a win-win situation here, Armin. Either, uh, either he goes down to injury and you're fist-pumping to your Kenneth Walker takes, or, <laughs> or he stays healthy and he has another good season and you're fist-pumping to your penny takes. I think it's a win-win situation for you in Seattle. Hey, I mean, they're both ba- great backs. They're both in that Seattle offense that – likes to run the ball and produces good backs every year. So 
and without a QB as well, you know, and we might be seeing a Seattle team that can support two RBs at a, at a high level. Yeah, you know, Armand, uh, Armand's going to be win-win with some of his hot takes here. And you at home can be a win-win with the support of your 306 Fantasy Football podcast as officially announced on, uh, on our social medias. Uh, and obviously, we know that we've partnered up with 22Fresh, but now our promo code is live. So now our, our partnership with 22Fresh is now helping you at home as well. Uh, if you use the promo code on checkout, 306FFB15, that's 306FantasyFootball15 for your 15% off at the checkout, uh, you will receive obviously that 15% off. So 306FFB15 on checkout. Uh, our, our sponsorship helps benefit you at home. That's a win-win just like uh, Rashad Penny and, uh, and, uh, and Walker's takes for Armin there. So if, uh, if you're going on the 22 fresh, actually, you know what? I'll be completely honest. Zach and I were talking this past weekend. and I was completely unaware that there's a 22 fresh now in Saskatoon. I always thought, you know, 22 fresh Regina, nice little location there. I got the nice brick wall. It's a really, actually really nice, uh, nice building there. Uh, I've been down there a few times, actually heading down there. Uh, Tuesday so this episode will drop so technically yesterday by the time this episode drops I'm gonna make my way down to 22 fresh but if you're either Regina you can make your way down there Saskatoon down there and if you're not in either location shop online and you can get yourself that uh, 15% discount with 306 FFB 15 so shop like uh, shop like the 306 podcast and and now you'll get that 50% discount so thank you very much major sponsor of the year 22 fresh um, now heading into, uh, our off season segment here, uh, we are going to be recapping our dynasty rookie draft. So this is the, what we would consider, I would say our home leagues that both myself, Armin and Zach are all members of in this dynasty league, uh, 10 team league, half point PPR. And, uh, we had several picks in the draft. Uh, Zach didn't have several picks, but, uh, we'll get to that here in a second, but, um, we're going to go through these picks in kind of a chronological order, and then we're going to have a few little uh, pieces to talk about. So uh, the 101 on the board was uh, not a surprise here by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, RB1, Brees Hall, went in the first position. And then that the same owner that took Brees Hall made a trade right after to ended up receiving 102. So he traded the 106 and the 111 to receive the 102 pick. And that was putting no feelers if anybody wanted to try and trade up to get the 102 from him as well. Uh, no, no feelers ended up uh, kind of solidifying. So he ended up going with wide receiver one, Drake London. Uh, so Brees Hall, then Drake London, the 103 on the board. Uh, at this point, there's no surprises. I know that 102 can kind of flip-flop through a few guys, but so far consensus through the draft. Uh, and then 103 was uh, Armin on the board. So Armin, after Brees Hall, Drake London go, uh, you're sitting there on the board. Uh, what were you thinking? Uh, I was excited that Kenneth Walker stayed. Um, I was actually in trade talks for that 102 as well. And right after uh, he he ended up making his pick because I, I declined all his trade offers, um, he, he messaged me and he's like, is your guy still there? And I was like, oh, hell yeah, he is. And I smashed that Kenneth Walker right then and there. Um, yeah, I... He, he wanted pits for that 102, um, and there's some other stuff in, in the deal, but that was kind of the big part of the, the deal. And you know what? That tight end uh, um, supremacy that I'm hoping Pitts will give me for, for years to come, you know, like he's only 21 years old yet right now as we're speaking, I think. Um, so, like, 
if he if he turns into that premium tight end, that's 10 years of not having to worry about the tight end position. So I wanted to keep that rather than trying to get my guy um, for this year's draft because Pitts was my guy last year. Um, but he, Walker's a rare specimen. He's the best at carrying the ball in this class, I think. Um, that's my humble opinion. Um, but the RB class falls from here. And uh, I wanted to trade for one of the receivers later on in the draft after this. But I, I wanted my, my Walker here. And I, I've been talking about him so much, I, I needed to get him at my 103 spot. So um, even though there's these high-end receivers, um, stay tuned to find out if I ended up getting in on them. I uh, I knew you're gonna be sweating too, because that team I traded up for the little two. He's an RB needy team too, so I was like, you know what? There's a good chance he goes RB RB to start the draft. Um, he ended up making a few trades at the end of the year, which made him like you know need a few wide receivers in the same position. He's just a um, a position of strength, I suppose. He needed some running backs, but Armin ended up getting his guy, so he was uh, more than happy. Uh, 104 then is actually a coworker of mine, a, a teammate of mine in my in my big money dynasty league. And uh, he ended up going with the wide receiver position and he ended up going Traylon Burks. I, this was no surprise to me. <clears throat> he's a, he's a big fan of the big body type wide receivers. Uh, so I knew he was either going Drake London or Traylon Burks uh, unless either of those went prior to them. So uh, I, I was in a position at one of five where I, I kind of knew who was going to be available uh, for a, unless there was major surprises, I suppose. And at this point there was nothing really surprising, but uh, 105, I was held up for quite some time because I was in trade talks with Zach. I was trying to target uh, Saquon Barkley. I just need a little bit of extra running back support. I know I have Javante Williams, which kind of went the wrong direction with the re-signing of Melvin Gordon. He still might produce, um, just maybe not to the ceiling that I was hoping. And in, uh, in a dynasty, when you're making a run, you need that uh, extra depth at the running back position. So uh, the trade talks ended up falling through, and I ended up just taking wide receiver uh, Garrett Wilson. I do have Jamison Williams rated higher uh, than Garrett Wilson, but I was in a position where I have a modern St. Brown already. Uh, so not wanting to double down on the Lions wide receivers, uh, I ended up taking the wide receiver from the New York Jets just to try and uh, to spread out the opportunity for targets and uh, fantasy points. Wasn't super happy because if I could have traded back or traded it outright for something different, but uh, Garrett Wilson is still a good wide receiver in that kind of, you know, that hodgepodge of the second tier as we've come to know it as. Uh, so I walked with Garrett Wilson and I, and I was, uh, I was quite okay with that. Uh, and then moved along to the 106 position. So 106 was the only spot that was between myself and my 107 picks. I had 105 and 107. So I'm thinking here, you know, okay, he's probably going to go Jamison Williams and then 107, I'm going to go Chris Olave and we're going to move along. Uh, but 106 was a bit of a shocker. Uh, this was an RB needy team. And I didn't think he was this needy in a sense, but he ended up reaching for Isaiah Spiller. Now, if Isaiah Spiller uh, would have had good draft capital and went to a RB needy team, then I think this would have been a good pick, but I think it was a bit of a reach at this position. Not to say I don't like Isaiah Spiller as a, a prospect. Uh, I was looking at him maybe in that 206 range that I had at 202 and 206, hoping that maybe I could pick up Spiller in 206, but I was obviously uh, significantly one round too late because he ended up going to 106 position. So this ends up putting me back on the clock. And once again, I'm back to trade talks, talks with Zach because I know he wants Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams is still on the clock. And uh, and I still want to try and get my hands on uh, 
on Saquon Barkley. And after spinning our tires a little bit, still we couldn't quite um, hammer out a deal for Saquon. And then, you know, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, all right, well, my clock has been running. My clock has been running. I'll take Jameson Williams. I like Jameson Williams that much more above Olave. And at very worst, uh, maybe down the road here, I end up trading Williams to Zach anyways, uh, or I end up trading Monra to somebody else, vice versa. Uh, so I can't imagine I'll have both guys on my roster coming into the season, but he's uh, he's a guy that, you know what, I, I, I have him quite a bit higher than Olave. So I'll just take my guy and then I can still continue on with trade talks moving forward. So 107, I take, uh, I take Jamison Williams. Then uh, we're moving into the 108 position and uh, 108 was not a shocker to myself. Um, I know Zach and Armin both have been in leagues with this guy before. Um, Drew, as as we know him, but uh, as bulletproof uh, fantasy, as many other people have come to know him, he's quite popular on Twitter and has his own podcast now as well. Uh, I was in a draft with him previously in a big money league, and he ended up taking Sky Moore ahead of Chris Olave. So this was not a surprise to me, uh, meaning that Chris Olave was still going to be on the board at 109. Now, I think this is where Zach and I kind of had uh, maybe the similar ideas. because I think we both started firing out uh, trade offers to the next couple of guys in a row because 109, I was interested in trying to trade for to get Chris Olave and 109 took Christian Watson. Then 110, I was interested in trying to get Chris Olave and 110 said, no, I need a running back. So right drafting took James Cook. Now we're sitting here at 111 and Chris Olave is still on the board. And I'm thinking, hold oh, on, I'm. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try and get Chris Olave. And all of a sudden the guy messaged me back and says, Oh man, I really, really like that offer, but I need to think about this because I got another offer and it's for running back and uh, I need a running back. So I'm going to think about this and I'm thinking, son of a bitch, it's Zach. And if it sat there for about an hour, uh, the guy thought about it, thought about it, and finally messaged me back. You know what? No, I'm going to go with the other offer. Um, but if your guy's still there at whatever, then I'll try. No, I'm saying I know for a fact who he's taken at 111. Thanks for the trade talks, but he's taking my guy. So Zach, you want to talk about how you got yourself into the first round here? Yeah, absolutely. So as you alluded to earlier, you and I have been talking quite a bit about uh, me trading into the first round, first at 105 and then 107. Um, and that all kind of centers around my team's uh, lack of, wide receiver talent in my eyes. Um, Calvin Ridley going down to suspension um, this for this upcoming year really put a, a dent in my wide receiver depth. And I was quite anxious um, to find a way to fill that hole. Um, and I, I thought I could maybe get a deal done with you for 105 or 107, but we just couldn't come to any agreement there. And I told myself, like, don't be, um, you know, a victim of the moment. Don't get uh, draft fever. But uh, what was that Thursday night at like 930? I caught draft fever real bad. And um, <laughs> I did the old uh, Jackie Moon. I looked at my my washing machine and I thought, uh, we have we have a washing machine and we don't use it. So we'll send it to this guy. And that's exactly what I did with Elijah Mitchell. Um, I looked at my uh, running back depth and I thought I could, I could afford to part with, with Mitchell. And that's exactly what I did. I packaged Mitchell in 305 and I'd got the, the one, the 111. And uh, I really did not think Chris Olave was going to last that long. Um, 
you could have taken Chris Olave at 106, 107, 108. And that would have been a, a good pick in my eyes. And to get him here at 111, I was thrilled. I actually sent one offer and I went to bed and I woke up super early. I was giddy. I was excited. And yeah, there it is sitting on my, uh, my email. You're on the clock. And I was just way to start the morning. I thought <laughs> such a good way to start the morning. If I was going to lose that pick to anybody, I'm glad it was you, Zach. He gave us something to talk about. But I can't wait till it's middle of the season. Chris Olave tweaks his hamstring or something, and you're going to be sitting there screaming at the TV, I wish you were still a washing machine. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good analogy, Zach. That's a, that's a good move, underrated. So Zach ends up snaking me at 111. I was hoping there's a way I was going to try and swindle and get all three wide receivers, but yeah, that was just me being greedy. I actually, the offer I sent, I thought for sure, you know, I was overpaying and it was a guy that I wanted to include in the trade for Zach. Uh, so the fact that I didn't get this trade done ended up kind of working out because George Pickens goes two Oh one wide receiver nine. And then I'm on the clock at two Oh two. And then it's early morning Thursday and Zach's sitting there. You know what? Let's, we can still do this. We can still make this trade if you want. I'm still looking for Barkley. Devonta Smith was kind of the focal point of it. Uh, among with the other picks, we couldn't kind of finalize on the details. And finally, I, I, I sent Zach the offer. I said, all right, how about this? Devonta Smith, the 202 pick, the 206 pick, and then a 2023rd second. And then for Saquon Barkley, and then you throw in Gabe Davis. And I kind of got this idea a little bit thinking about Gabe Davis. I wasn't super high on Gabe kind of going into those conversations, but it was kind of where we went last episode, you know, when I rather gave Davis or a second round pick and just the position of my team at this moment was like, you know what, I think I'd rather have gave Davis. So in the sense, you know, I kind of consider that maybe I did overpay a little bit, but I'm getting a premier back that I'm hoping can bounce back. I guess, fortunately, we ended up making this trade. Devonta Smith, 202, 206, and a 2023 second. And I ended up receiving Saquon and Gabe Davis. I'm a very win now team. Uh, with a little bit of a need at the running back position. And then those second round picks, uh, I'm hoping they're going to be a Gabe Davis impact for this upcoming season. Anyways, um, the rookies there, I'm, I liked, but I didn't think they're going to have an immediate impact like uh, Gabe Davis very well could on my starting roster. So I end up finalizing this deal with Zach. Zach says, you know what? Yep. I'll send it over. Perfect. Hit the accept button and we're moving forward. So uh, Zach went from having zero picks in the first two rounds to all of a sudden, uh, receiving the 111, the 202, and the 206. So now Zach is on the clock at 202. So a little uh, little backstory here that I, I don't think you know about, Jordan. Um, after I took Olave, um, I saw that uh, one of our league mates was on the clock at 201. And, and him and I have been able to get a lot of trades done in the past. Um, it's always been easy to negotiate with him. Like we're both, yeah, this is what I want. And no, and then we can just move on. And I thought I had a deal for, for this pick actually for 201 with him because we had talked about Barkley earlier on, but uh, we couldn't get anything done. And then I thought maybe I could get 202 from you. And I asked him like, hey, who are you taking? And he told me Pickens. And that was good because I wanted Dotson. So at 201, I, I took Dotson. Um, and in my eyes, Dotson, he was kind of the nail in the coffin for us making our trade. Um, had Dotson not been available and had some of the other rookies that had not been picked yet uh, not been available, I don't know if I would have taken it because I was really anxious to see who might be available at 206. And had the guy that I got 
at 206 not have been there, I don't think I would have made that trade at all. So at 202, I thought Dotson was a really good value at that spot. Um, I think he'll be a better pro than he was in college. The, the quarterbacks at Penn State weren't doing him any favors. And I like the chances of the commanders eventually replacing Wentz uh, with a rookie, maybe as early as, uh, as this upcoming season, or rather um, after this upcoming season. Not that I think Sam Howell is going to replace Wentz, but I think uh, either Young or Stroud might replace Wentz at the end of this year. Yeah, I uh, as soon as as soon as he made that trade, I'm like, I am pretty confident on who he's taken. I'm I'm pretty sure, and yep, sure enough, Nahan Doxson. Um, and then after that, put uh, he sent a nice little message in the group chat that now Armin's on the board. You can go ahead and even name drop the guy, and sure enough, Armin, <laughs> you, we all knew you're taking. Uh, Armin's on the clock at two o three, and uh, he wasn't done with the RB position. Armin's on the clock at two o three. Yeah, you know, leading up to this point, though, I was kind of kicking tires the whole way through. I kicked Jordan's tires. I kicked everyone else's tires. Um, just don't have the the resources in my possession yet that I feel um, that I could have paid what uh, what the value was that they wanted and, and still have a team that I, I liked. So um, didn't end up making anything happen, but uh, at the 203, um, I knew he, this guy would be here, but I knew he wouldn't last much longer. I figured he probably wouldn't. And I took my guy, Rashad White. Um, he's, he's my dark horse of the season. I, I could see him uh, doing some good things, especially if Fournette goes down in Tampa Bay there. So. Are you taking easy on old Fournette or over there? <laughs> Get the net! <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, he's one of my guys. I wanted receiver badly um but then all the top tier guys in my mind were gone and i figured uh i have the 210 301 and 302 that i should be able to uh get a receiver somewhere in there that i don't mind and then i also wanted to make a trade for a certain receiver that i was surprised was still on the board actually um but i wanted white before him so i was trying to make deals and this is where we're going to skip ahead to, to Zach's next pick because 204 and 205, I was trying to make deals with those guys to get their pick for, for the guy I wanted. Couldn't make it happen. And then I was in trade talks with, uh, with the guy with the 206. And because you didn't have it, right, Zach? You had to trade for it? Uh, that was mine. I, I was 206. Yeah, I got 206 yeah. from Jordan that yeah. morning. So... Yeah, both Zach and I are knocking at Jordan's door, and Zach just made a better deal than me. Yeah, it was tough to tough to pay, tough not to take Saquon. So I was, I've been trying to needle Zach on Saquon. I think what feels like two two full seasons here, and just about had him at the trade deadline last year, and now he's on my roster now. But it's funny, actually. You know, I'm I'm gonna take a second here. I'm writing an article right now about the top five buys, and I actually just sold Devonta Smith. He was one of my top five buys. So it's kind of funny that I'm writing this article about why you should be buying Devonta Smith. And I was sitting there actively pursuing to try and trade him off my roster, but I was in a different predicament there, obviously owning Brown and Smith, but uh, Zach, you were on the clock at two Oh six here. And uh, you were, you were mentioning that there was a guy you were considering at two Oh six, whether he fell. And I'm curious if this was the guy that you were, were hoping to get to you. Yeah. I was sweating the, uh, like I, I figured 
Armando was going to go with Rashad White. Um, he just can't help himself with those with those running backs. <laughs> and then I was sweating picks 204 and 205. And um, I try to stay off my phone as much as I can at work, mainly because the reception is so poor in my room at school. <laughs> Call spade a spade. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was, I kept on refreshing and refreshing, trying to see what was going on. And finally, well, when I saw it, it was my turn at 206 and, and John met, she was available. I, I had to, I had to make that pick. Armin did approach me and we, we did talk a little bit and had Mechie not been there. We probably could have had a deal, but he was who I really wanted. Um, well, kind of when I made that trade with, uh, with Jordan uh, that morning, uh, I knew that Dotson and Mechie were my two targets. Um, Mechie, somebody that I think uh, was getting a lot of hype pre-injury um, in January, uh, during the college football playoffs and he was still able to secure top 50 draft capital despite his injury um i think he's in a really good spot where he could play in the slot and on the outside in houston um and i see him being a consistent chain mover in that offense somebody that in ppr settings is going to be much more valuable than he will be in standard settings um and not only that he's also canadian so if we bring back the Canadian player profile, um, I'll have him and Nikhil Harry to talk about. <laughs> yeah, uh, one might finish with a few more points ahead of the other. I'm just not sure which one's who yet. I mean, if Mechie's on the bench nursing that ACL injury and he catches a ball, that's that's putting him ahead of Nikhil. <laughs> yeah. so, so, Zach, Mechie was who I was trying to get with trading for that pick that was Ooh, that's a dagger that's a dagger <laughs> so uh that's when i stopped trade talks until uh till later on in the draft but uh yeah so i thought i was i thought i had told you that Mechie was the guy but maybe i didn't uh so, you you did you said you know you said something along the lines of yeah there's one guy in particular that i want but i think i'll be able to get him later and then i said like okay i'm taking john mechie and then you're just nuts crickets absolutely <laughs> yeah. crickets after <laughs> yeah armin's dms yeah <laughs> oh that's good stuff just the michael uh, scott when toby comes back just no, no. Yeah, i think i have that drop too hold on oh no god no, God, like please, it. no, 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 no. That might be one of my favorite ones right there. That that one in the bankruptcy, which I also have, but it hasn't quite fit in yet. But that's, uh, oh, man, such a good show. Yeah. Uh, that... But Armin, all comes to good because you're on the clock here, uh, moving down a little bit. You're And you're on the run here. You got 210, 301, 302. And I was just sitting there, I was at 303 and I was just kind of waiting to see what the hell you're doing so I could figure out who I was going to be taking with my pick because Armin with three picks, you never know what he's going to do there. Uh, he's got a, got a plethora of opportunities. So maybe you'll run through your three picks there from the 210, 301, and then the 302. Yeah, so uh, those picks I was trying to, to move in order to get John Mechie as well. Um, but the other guys were in bind. And now at this point, I took two RBs. I need some young receivers on my team and 
Um, it, it wasn't the, the guy I wanted to get because kind of like you with Williams, didn't want to have too many or two of the same team receivers. But I ended up taking Alec Pierce because um, big body receiver, has good speed and athleticism, um, pretty good contested catch guy. And he he looked looks good to me. I, I like him as a as a prospect. I just it was hard to pick him because I also have Michael Pittman in that league as well. But I needed a receiver and he was the only one that I thought worth using a pick on at this point here. Um and that's also why I wanted to trade for John Mechie is to try and spread out uh, where my receivers are from and, and not have to take Alec Pierce. But, hey, you know, I'm happy with the receiver. What? I got two forks. You got two knives. We can do a swap here. I got two Detroit <laughs> guys. You got two, two Colts. We can, we can make this happen, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll talk later. Yeah, trade, trade talk on live, live on the pod here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Alec Pierce first here, and then at uh, the 301, um, a guy that could possibly be the the next late round RB gem, um, and Tyler Algier, um, he's got the opportunity knocking on uh, on the Atlanta Falcons there with um, Cordero Patterson and um, who who's behind him now? Uh, Damian Williams, yeah. So um, it's his backfield to lose in my mind. And um, he may not have been the best prospect, but you watch him run. He runs violently. He runs strong. Um, he's an aggressive uh, um, running back. And, you know, he, he can make some hay. And then maybe I'll be able to flip him in a year or two here. He was a seventh-round draft pick, right, Algier? Sixth, I think. Who was it last year that was uh, – he was either a sixth or seventh. Or he might have been a UDFA. Uh, that was like the darling that everybody wanted because it might have been the next great one. And then I think he ended up getting cut during training camp. Oh. Do you remember who that was? No, I don't remember. Okay, continue on and I'll I'll try and do some investigating here, Armin. Sorry to interrupt. Um, and then yeah, so after Algier, I was then on the clock at 302. And again, no receivers that I loved. I, I was looking at Trey McBride here. But I was like, you know what? I have Irv Smith Jr. and Kyle Pitts, two young tight ends. Um, I don't need a, a rookie tight end um, just taking up a roster spot and having him develop. Um, why not take someone who might make an immediate impact sooner? Um, and I'll know sooner whether or not he's worth keeping. So I took Pierre Strong Jr., drafted by Zach's Patriots. And he was one of my favorite prospects going into the draft. Um, I don't hate the landing spot because if he does get opportunity, he can produce a lot with that team. It's just whether or not he will get the opportunity to do that. Um, but blazing fast and I'm happy to have him. I'll know pretty quick whether or not he's worth keeping. Javian Hawkins. That's who it was. Oh, yes. Oh. yes. <laughs> yeah. It was like everybody's. Everybody's late round dart throw that was going to pan out, but I think he got cut during training camp. Just didn't come to fruition. But so here's something I wanted to point out quickly while while I'm on here. That guy who took uh, Spiller, he was the guy who traded away that 102. So he traded away a chance for chance for Kenneth Walker, um, which makes me think that he was targeting 
Dean Spiller there for a little bit, um, which to me is very questionable. But he turned the 102 into, I was thinking about this the other day, he turned the 102 into Spiller, into Mitchell, and the 305, who I don't recall who he ended up taking. Okay, okay. So he he did address his RB needs, um, which isn't bad. But yeah, like we said, Spiller could have been a bit later, but he also didn't have another pick till the 208 anyways. 305 was Jelani Woods. So he turned it on to Jelani Woods, Mitchell, and Spiller. But I mean, if Spiller pans out, then it's all right. But it is a bit of a reach. There's other guys that I was would have been targeting significantly more about that position. But to each your own, I suppose. Then, so Armin goes on the run. And like I mentioned, I was just kind of sitting there waiting. And uh, this is one of the guys I had my eyes on. Uh, Armin already mentioned it was Trey McBride. Uh, he was my tight end one on in the draft. And already coming here into the third round, he's still available. I'm thinking, all right, this is kind of a perfect scenario for me because uh, I'm the Travis Kelsey owner, uh, but I'm also the Zach Ertz owner. Uh, so for them to draft the replacement for Zach Ertz, I didn't want to reach for Trey McBride because it's gonna, I think it's going to take him a couple of years to um, – amalgamate himself into this offense uh but as the Zach Ertz owner it kind of worked out well because Zach Ertz is still kind of a nice little plug and play tight end um so to have him and then Trey McBride kind of step into that role moving forward it kind of worked out nice I, I did have my eyes on actually the three guys that Armin did take Alec Pierce was one of them uh, we've had myself and Armin have had some conversations about why I like Pierce already and then Algier was there and then Pierce Strong was kind of you know maybe if uh if McBride doesn't uh, if McBride goes then Pierce would be a guy I'd be maybe throwing a dart throw at but obviously McBride was available so this was uh this was an easy pick I think it was my my quickest pick of the uh of the draft so 303 I took uh Pierce and then Zach uh once again makes a trade and he's back on the clock at 304. Yeah remember how I said I didn't want to catch rookie fever uh <laughs> I had it bad <laughs> um yeah so at 304 um again I think this was another right before I go to bed trade um, and I woke up and again, I was on the clock. Um, so I, I shipped my, my 405 this season and next year's third. And I got 304. Um, thought process there is hopefully um, next year in the third round, I'm picking well after 304. And the fourth uh, round pick this year was just like, you, we'll talk about it maybe in a few minutes, but the fourth round picks were useless this year in this draft, it seemed. Um, so with all the comments that Ron Rivera was making about the commanders using a running back by committee and seeing how they used Gibson last year, um, I was quite worried about my, my Gibson share in this league. And um, I thought taking a dart throw on uh, either his competition or his potential replacement at this point in the draft uh, was really good value. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. is somebody that had over 1,300 yards in uh, a Power 5 school at Alabama, so well worth the shot here in the middle of the third round uh, for what I considered pretty good value to give up to get that pick. So Zach kind of mentioned at this a little bit, uh, that concludes our draft, by the way, from our perspective, Lisa. And, uh, I had one more pick, and I dropped the ball here. Um, usually what will happen is, in the draft, you'll draft and you'll at the person in our group chat the next. And I was busy refing all weekend. So I was barely even looking at my phone unless I had, you know, a direct message or something like that. So I wasn't looking at my email. I wasn't really looking at the draft. I ended up missing my last pick. It was the 409. So the second last pick of the draft. But we ended up having four skips where people just 
would rather not drop somebody off their roster than draft these late round picks. And they're worth dart throws, but they're not worth a whole heck of a lot, kind of like Zach had mentioned. But it was kind of it's kind of like the uh, WHL rookie draft when it's round 15 and teams are teams are passing, 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 and then somebody finally takes somebody. It's kind of what it felt like here. But um, I, I don't like if there was a dart throw guy, like I'm I'm looking down at some of these names, and it was kind of like you know the Hassan Hassan Haskins, Tennessee, K okay, Dart throw, Tyler Batty, K okay, Dart throw, uh, Kyron Williams, Dart throw. Uh, Justin Ross, I think was your last pick there. Armin 402. Is that correct? Yeah, that was my 402 pick. I had one spot left on my roster worth using. I think I ended up having to drop some player that was pretty useless to me anyways to get him. Um, and you know what? I, I think he was the only one worth actually using a pick on after, uh, um, after Jelani Woods. So after the, th- Zach's last pick of Brian Robinson. Yeah, he's well, he's oh, undrafted, obviously, but he had a huge rookie season and then didn't come to fruition after that in KC. So it's kind of you know an educated dart throw. I, I'll call the the Justin Ross pick, right? Well, the thing is, is he had that that neck surgery because it turned out he had two of his uh, uh, vertebrae that were fused together. And uh, then he he didn't come back until halfway through his sophomore season and then he he still produced fairly well when he played though um it's just teams are scared because nobody's ever had that surgery before and then played football after so um teams are scared um but if you look at the hype from kc so far mahomes and kelsey love them it might be worth the dart throw, right, Arm? Like I said, dart throw. <laughs> Educated dart throw, I guess. Like Those are the guys you know right away. That You can drop them right away or you can kind of keep on with your day, right? So, yeah. Anything else you guys want to talk about the draft here before we uh, give Zach the floor? Um, well, one interesting thing, right, is we had talked in our league about the idea of getting rid of that third round uh, or fourth round draft picks uh, just because they did seem so useless. Um, I'm curious to think what you guys thought of it. Was it just that this season was such a weak season for rookies um, compared to most seasons? Or um, do you think that moving forward, maybe the fourth round should be kind of thrown out? That was something that was tabled actually in our league right away. Somebody had asked if we could cut out the fourth round and just have a three round rookie draft. Um, So I'm impartial to it. I know the fourth round is a lot of dart throws, but I'm pretty sure in the fourth rounds where you got, uh, Pretty sure is where you got McLaurin one season. Is that correct, Zach? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the fourth round. Yeah. But I moved... did also draft Darwin Thompson before Terry McLaurin in the fourth <laughs> round of that same year. <laughs> like we've we've had this league where it used to be a three round. We moved it to a fourth round. And I think it was because that year after the third round, guys like Juju got picked up off waivers. Guys like um, Watson were picked up off waivers right after the draft. And it was like, okay, hey, there's a lot of meat on the bone still in the fourth round maybe we should open it up and then had limited success in the fourth round. And now guys are willing to cut bait with it, but we'll maybe interesting to see. Cause if we do remove it next year, supposed to be a good draft. Maybe there's going to be a lot of free agents picked up in fourth round. All of a sudden we're talking about, you know, keeping our fourth round moving forward again. So I, I'm, I'm impartial. I know we're in rookie leagues where it's three rounds. I'm in rookie drafts where it's five. It's I guess to each your own of your league, but those do become significant dart throws as you get towards the end of the draft. I know that for sure. So. One thing that would be nice is if MFL made a feature where you could hit skip that pick, right? Instead of just having the clock 
wind down because then it makes it really long when guys are skipping their picks. Oh, uh, the commish can do it, so they'd have to me- uh, message the commish. Oh, commish, you should have told us that. Come on. Hey, like I said, I was real busy <laughs> that weekend. I really, uh, really dropped the ball on my commish duties for for a weekend. Zach, you ready for your uh, hot take or what? You betcha. All right, here we go. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. I'm on fire. So over the past several years, the NFL and the NFL draft has had a explosion of NFL ready wide receivers that are contributing members of their team's offense, either as a wide receiver one or wide receiver two on, on their offense. And my hot take today is that this year's rookie class will have more wide receivers that surpass 64 receptions than last year's class. Last year's class had four receivers that uh, eclipsed 64 receptions. Uh, Jalen Waddell had 104. Amon Ross St. Brown had 90. Jamar Chase had 81. And Devontae Smith had 64. After Smith, the next rookie was Rondell Moore who had mid-50s. And I predict this year that the following five receivers, in no particular order, will surpass 64 receptions. I think Drake London in Atlanta, that one's almost a slam dunk, barring injury, um, just considering the lack of talent they have at the wide receiver position. Uh, Traylon Burks in Tennessee, um, he is replacing um, A.J. Brown, and they didn't really add much to that offense. I know they picked up uh, Robert Woods, but he is getting a little bit older, and he's coming off an injury, so um, not a whole lot of faith that he's going to contribute right away. Uh, and A.J. Brown did have 63 receptions last year, but only on 105 targets. Um, so I think there's plenty of meat on the bone there in Tennessee. Um, I think Chris Olave walks into a spot where he could be the number one target in New Orleans. Um, and when uh, Jamison Winston was playing at the start of the year, that passing offense was productive. Um, I think that Sky Moore could be a dark horse candidate to surpass 64 receptions, um, considering that Tyreek Hill is gone and he had 111 receptions i do know they picked up juju smith as well as uh marquez valdez scantling but i don't think either of those guys are exactly the the type of player to replace hill so i think that'll be a committee effect and then lastly christian watson uh replacing Devonte adams i think in green bay he's also probably a safe bet to surpass 64 um and that's not even considering the likes of jameson williams garrett wilson and jahan dotson who are all first round picks so i think it's safe to say that there will be at least one more receiver uh surpassing 64 and i could see several receivers surpassing uh the 50 mark that rondell moore posted last season the interesting thing about this hot take is 
Uh, we've actually kind of talked about this a little bit uh, in the past. Obviously, this draft was very wide receiver focused on the hype of these very talented wide receivers. But we've also talked about, I think it was last episode or the episode prior to, where it was like, okay, maybe is, you know, where you're putting the cart ahead of the horse here, where we see two wide receivers do big things, you know, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, uh, where they step into those big seasons year one. Is this something to be expect moving forward, or is it because generational talent's going to do generational things, right? Usually it takes a two, three years to amalgamate yourself into being a premier um, wide receiver, like look at guys like Chris Godwin took three years to get themselves going. Um, so is that something to expect moving forward, or are we going to see big things from these wide receivers? And obviously, uh, combination, I think, of the draft products and then obviously maybe taking a step forward is what kind of brought this to a fruition, hey, Zach? Yeah, like I don't think it's often that you see this many um, top-end receivers or this many top-end players at any position go on the draft to to teams that really needed them. Um, I think oftentimes you see guys go to teams that you're like, oh, probably just like best player available and they have to wait their turn. But Drake London walks into a starting position. Uh, Burks clearly walks into a starting position. Alave walks into a starting position. Watson walks in to a starting position. Uh, Moore walks into a top three or top four position in Kansas city. Uh, Williams, the same in Detroit. Wilson will be, you know, top two, top three in New York and, and Dotson's top two in Washington. So all of these really good players walked into what I consider to be really good positions. Maybe not necessarily because of the quarterbacks that are throwing them the ball, but as far as opportunities, they walk into really good positions. Anything to mention there, Armin, or add, I suppose? You know, it, you bring up valid points here and, uh, like devil's advocate would be is that uh, some of these guys probably won't, <laughs> yeah. but, it's simple. but uh, um, Drake London, Traylon Burks. Yeah. You can make that argument. Chris Olave though. What if uh, um, Thomas comes back? Landry's there now. Right. Um, if Winston goes, Jameis Winston goes down again, then they might be running the ball a whole lot. Sky Moore has some, some, bridges to cross Watson he's your fringe guy that might have the best chance but uh what if he does his his best chase Claypool and everything is just penalty yards penalty yards penalty yards um that's my one worry with him watching him in in some of those contested catches um Jamison Williams um he's got Jared Goff and then uh um Amonra St. Brown and uh DJ Chark um Garrett Wilson I'm not sold on uh on the other Wilson there and uh then Jahan Dotson he's got Terry McLaurin to deal with so that's my devil's advocate uh just little points on on each of them um but there there is enough names there that um you could be half on on right of those you could be right on half of the names that that I listed as question marks and you could still hit so you have some uh, leeway there, Zach. The one guy that I'll, I'll press you on is, is Chris Alave. I think uh, counting on anything at this point from Michael Thomas is maybe a bridge too far for me. Of course, like, that he's not going to be ready yet for the season start. <laughs> yeah, like you know, he his name value is certainly I think worth more than what his production is going to be yeah. um, this year you know, quite possibly for the rest of his career. 
And then um, I, I am a little apprehensive there with the quarterback position in New Orleans um, after Winston should, uh, should he get injured again, but this is all, you know, what is this May, May 30th right now, everybody's healthy. So, yeah. So what makes it hot, right? If it was a slam dunk, it wouldn't be a hot take. Yeah. Well, good. you yeah. just agreed too much, Jordan. I had to, some, some <laughs> doubt out there. I, I like these rookie wide receivers and I, I, and I, it's, it's hard for me to argue because it's, there's a pathway to success. They're all offenses that like to pass the ball. There's not a run first team. Like maybe Tennessee would be the one that's a run first team, but who are they going to throw the ball to? Like they still have to throw it. So it's, there's a pathway to, for this to happen. I, there's, <laughs> it's hard to me to poke a lot of holes in it. Cause that was, <laughs> that was the first thing I thought in my head was, okay, run first, run first offenses. Tennessee that after that they, there's teams that are either 50 50 or love to tear the ball out like Kansas city and green Bay. So it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to poke holes in this one. Yeah, one like comment that. I have though, Armin, you mentioned, and this is kind of going out into right field completely here, but you mentioned that, you know, Claypool, it's, um, you know, pass interference, pass interference, pass interference. Have either of you guys played in a league where you get a point or half a point for, for getting a PI call? I wish, man. Like... I think that's something that fantasy football should adopt. I don't know. What do you think, Zach? So is it one point for getting the call and not the yards? Yeah, because whatever, the yardage, like you don't get, like obviously the ball gets spotted. Sometimes 15, right. sometimes it's spotted a foul, right? But I think like how many times is it, like you should be rewarded for that because you're going to make that catch. There's a reason they threw the flag, right? So in fantasy football, I think you should be rewarded for that, whether it be a half a point, full point, whatever. Whatever the reception is, if you get a flag, then you should get a point or a half point or whatever, I, I think. But that's dependent on what the rules of your of your platform are able to do. I've been saying that for a long time. There's nothing more frustrating than watching your player have a good game because he somehow managed to get 200 yards of, of DPI and then gets you, what, three points. It's like, no, like he three points doesn't – that's not like he had a more successful game than three points. Yeah, that goes to, like, the whole idea of, like, going beyond the stat sheet, right, for, yeah. for players and what their impact actually is. It's like Claypool, like – he's been targeted and big Ben is part of the reason why it's happening so much to him too. deep downfield. He's got his guy beat and then they pass interference because big Ben threw it short. Like, yeah, he, he made that play. Claypool made that play or whoever the big body receiver is. Um, I, I would, I wouldn't necessarily say I would be an advocate for that, but I would, I would support it. If, uh, if someone vote brought it to, um a league and was like hey let's let's do this i would say yeah sure why not let's do it like there's talking about beyond the box score there's nothing more frustrating and i'm just rambling on at this point but nothing more frustrating than when your guy gets a 60 yard touchdown and it gets called back for a backside hold you know like those are those are the types of things that drives a fantasy manager wild but <laughs> if you watch the games you see those things like the average fantasy player looks at the box score and it's like oh you know he had a bad game then those are the types of guys that you might be able to pick up on trade targets because, you know, look beyond the box score. But I'm rambling on at this point here. Anything <laughs> to uh, add here, fellas, before we wrap up this one? we got episode number 50 coming up here in two weeks. It's a big one, so maybe I'll have to get a, a few things planned in order for that one for a nice little uh, episode 50. Hard to believe that in a little over a year's time we've hammered out 50 of these bad boys. But that'll do it for uh, episode number 49 here. Thank you very much for listening to uh, – like I said, episode 49, the Dynasty Rookie recapped here. And uh, and uh, stay tuned, everybody, uh, for some big things coming forward here. we got a couple awesome ideas kind of rattling in our brains. And uh, 
And obviously, a big thank you to 22 Fresher, a major sponsor and supporter of our fantasy football podcast this season. And uh, I suppose that'll do it for today. Take care, everybody, and uh, let's talk soon.